Amen. Amen. He has been running after, running after even someone like me and like you and all of us who are here this morning. Good morning, everybody. So glad you're here today. I'm Pastor Simon, one of the pastors that gets to serve you here at Hinsdale Covenant Church. Um, we have a, a word we want to begin with out of Colossians uh, chapter 1. Um, if you have your Bibles with you, great. It's always a good thing to bring a Bible to church, but it's okay if you didn't. We have some tucked under. You can find a few under there. Or if you're one of those that like it on your phone, that's great too. It would probably be helpful to have it in front of you. I want to read a passage too. It's very short, but it's just really uh, important and dense, and you're going to want to refer to it later. So if you do have it on your paper Bible, can you give me the sermon slides, please, sir? And then um, uh, keep your thumb on that page, because I'm going to come back to it again, and we're going to unpack it a little bit more. But I want to I read this to you this morning. It's actually verse 25 from Colossians chapter 1, 25 through 27. Um, let's be attentive to God's word this morning. Colossians chapter 1, 25 to 27 says this. I, Paul, became a servant of the church according to God's commission that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known, the mystery that has been hidden throughout the ages and generations, but has now been revealed to the saints. To the saints, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery. Here's the mystery which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, God. Yeah, again, keep your, keep your finger there because we're going to get back to that in a little bit. Um, it's a very powerful word. It's really rich and dense, but you've probably heard that word twice in there, the word mystery, the word mystery, and then an emphasis there, of course, on Christ. And mystery is not always a word we might associate uh, with Scripture, but it's there, and it's actually a word that Paul uses quite a bit uh, to describe the gospel and who Christ is, and so we want to unpack that. Our series has been called uh, Wonder, and we have been exploring the deep questions of faith, and now we arrive at this big question, the mystery of faith, Christ and the gospel. Let me just take a moment and pray for God to open our ears and hearts to his word this morning. Father, thank you for this gathering. Thank you, gathering, for this, ga this gathering of brothers and sisters. Uh, some of us know each other. Some of us are just getting to know each other. Some of us are fresh here. But, Father, I pray that we be united in your spirit, as we said in Ephesians 4, 4, God, that we be of one God, one spirit. And, Lord, would you unite us together in our hearts and minds as you speak to us by your spirit and your word, I pray in Jesus' name, for your glory. Amen. Amen. So wonder, we have been exploring the deep questions of faith, and I, I hope you've been with us over these last couple weeks. If you haven't, those are archived online. You can check them out. Or if you're like, ooh, I'd love to know more about that one, um, call me up. I would love to have coffee, lunch. I always love coffee and lunch, um, and talk more about these things. We began by talking about the relationship between science and God, between science and God. And we determined that science actually serves to point to the very potential possibility, and I would even say the presence of a God who brings order out of chaos and sustains it all. And we, we talked quite a bit about how science actually points towards the existence of God in a very relevant, very clear way. Second one, we talked about the, the is the Bible still relevant? 
Is the Bible still relevant in our modern culture? And we talked about many of the things that we love about our modern culture, especially in its morals and values. The things that we stand on actually emerge from biblical values. So yes, the Bible actually has an incredible amount of relevance, even for those who don't read it or know it. The good things that we enjoy about our culture today emerge from biblical value. We talked about the difference between morality. Morality points towards the person who does the good. I'm a moral person, right? Righteousness, however, points towards God. There's a difference between morality and righteousness. God allows people to be moral, to have good, have good lives, but ultimately he wants us to be, for, be inclined towards righteousness, radiating in his glory and everything points uh, towards him. Next, we talked about uh, can we love God but say we don't love the church? Can we love God but not the church? And I'm probably forever going to quote Pastor Lars' summary on that, which is yes, but you can't stay there especially when there's those hurt, uh, church wounds and church hurts. Um, we need the church. We need the church to continue to grow in faith. I'm always, a uh, metaphor that I use sometimes is it's not often you pass a fruit tree in the wild and you get good fruit off it. Usually it's kind of sour or gangly. Best fruit is grown in an orchard. Best fruit is grown in an orchard where there's planting and order and, and care and love. And that's why, you know, we, we need the church. Um, second one, last week we talked about the question of pain and suffering. Big question about pain and suffering, and yes, it's a hard one, but when we put a God in front of it, when we put God in front of our pain, in front of our suffering, we actually end up with another story of hope, and, and uh, that is a, a beautiful way of looking at it, that God comes before pain and suffering, even though sometimes it can be so hard to see him when there's intense pain and suffering. And then today, concluding the mystery of faith again, Christ and the gospel, these are big, big questions, and we're gonna talk more about this idea of mystery, which we just read, in Colossians chapter 1. Now, when I think of mystery, maybe you think of the same. I think of, you know, mystery stories. And I've always, always loved mystery stories. From the time I was a little kid, my mom would tuck me into bed on a Sunday night, and I'd, I'd say, good night, Mom. And I'd pretend that I was asleep, and I'd pull out my little radio, and I'd find one of those stations. I think it was coming out of Chicago. I'm from the other side of the lake. But at night, the signal would carry, and there'd be these mystery stories on the radio. And I'd listen to those, which is why I had a hard time going to school on Monday because I had to wait to find out who did it, right? Later, I enjoyed, you know, some, some uh, you know, books like Encyclopedia Brown, you know, the mystery of this, mystery of that. And then I remember some really sweet times with my mom. She's passed a while ago. She and I would get cuddle on the couch and watch, like, old-fashioned mystery movies and stuff. That was fun. We still do that as a family. Maybe you have a practice of books or stories or things that you like that are, that are mystery. You know, who did it? Who done it, right? And how did they do it? And then it's always fascinating and a good mystery to see how did they try to get away with it. Or I love what, what my, my one daughter said the other day. It's interesting when every character in it is suspect, you know, like everyone's kind of shady. But you follow the clues and you find the truth and then suddenly mystery is revealed. I love it. It's, it's fun, right? The thing about mystery stories, though, is once we know what happened, who did it, who done it, then we really, it's kind of hard to go back to them. It's kind of hard to watch a movie where you know the answer to the mystery. You might watch it again and be like, oh, I see now how it added up to that. But, you know, generally, maybe you're a reader of mystery novels. Once you know how it ends, you're like, okay, well, recycle the book. On to the next one. It might seem like that when you start thinking of mystery with God and Christ and Revelation and all that stuff, but that's actually not the way mystery in Scripture works. The idea of mystery that Paul is talking about many times, he's used the word mystery a few times in his writings, isn't something that once we find the answer to, it's like, oh, well, I'm done with that. Oh, the answer? Uh, Jesus, sure. Now I'm done. The idea of mystery in the scriptures is, in, is designed to inspire us 
to continue to explore in awe and wonder and worship. That's the idea of mystery in Scripture. It's not just, oh, mystery revealed, done, recycle the book. It's mystery revealed, and yet there's still so much more to explore. Paul talks about mystery in a couple of ways. He uses, first of all, like the hardening of the Jews in Romans chapter 11. He talks about the mystery of, of, of the resurrection to come in 2 Corinthians chapter 16. He talks about the mystery, ooh, relevant to our uh, upcoming uh, Celebrate Love event, the mystery of marriage between a husband and a wife and how that mirrors the relationship of Christ and the church. He said these things are a mystery. But the mystery, the key to it, is knowing Christ. And when we know Christ... That's the key that opens up the door to plumbing these mysteries and understanding the ways of God. It begins with knowing Christ as the key that opens the treasure box of continuing uh, mystery and wonder and worship. Later in Colossians, which I, I love Colossians because it is such a great book about like wonder and it's so expansive and broad and I mean kind of all the epistles are but I, I just have a connection to Colossians in that way. Paul writes later after he already talked to us about mystery we're going to get back to that one keep your finger on that page. He says I want their hearts to be encouraged. Who's he talking to? The church. I want their hearts to be encouraged and united in love so that they may have all the riches of assured understanding all the riches of assured understanding and have the knowledge of God's mystery. Ooh, what is that? Christ himself, in whom, in Christ, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. See how that works? The mystery is Christ, the key and it opens up not a finished book that you're like, oh, now I'm done with that. Got it. Oh, Jesus. Yes. No. Opens up the treasure trove of continuing mystery and awe and wonder and worship. When we receive that key, when we receive Christ, it like opens up a whole new world to us of continuing worship and awe and wonder. Um, theologians say this. This is a really uh, a dense book on the idea of mystery uh, from uh, two theologians, Theo and uh, uh, Boyer and Hall in their book, uh, The Mystery of God. It's, it's pretty thick of God. It's really good. But I love this, this uh, uh, quote here. They said, the, the revelational mystery, which is like the gospel revealed, okay, the revelational mystery excites wonder, awe, amazement, and astonishment. Think again about the mysteries that pertain to the gospel. Again, other mysteries around the gospel. We just listed some. We understand the good news, yet it continues to overwhelm us by its elaborate intricacy, its unanticipated beauty, and its stunning, benevolent glory. It is the way a revelational mystery works. It's like we know the truth, and yet the mystery remains. It's not like a mystery novel or a book where you're like, oh, well, I'm done with that one. I, I know the answer. It's it's Christ. No, it's actually, wait, I know the answer. Wow, there's so much more that this opens up. So when we go back to that word, and now you've had your thumb on that, that page for a while. Now, great, thank you. Hopefully it's not too sweaty. That's all right. 
I'm going to go back to that word, and there's, there's really three levels of revelation, three levels of mystery revealed in this text that I want to share with you because they're, they actually get more powerful the more you go through. So let's unpack this really quick. The first mystery that is revealed in the short little text that we read just a minute ago together is that Christ, the hidden figure of the Old Testament covenant, has now been revealed. Christ is a hidden figure in the Old Testament narrative, that whole story, and it's, he's now been revealed. Okay, this is, again, first generation after Jesus. And it says this in the Word. If you still have your finger there, you can look at it. He says, the mystery that was hidden throughout the ages and the generations now revealed. In other words, in the entire story of the Old Testament, which is still a great majority of our Bible, Christ was there. Now, the most natural way for those of you who, are, who, who study the word are like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, I, I've, saw it, I've seen that. Like, yes, there are portions of Scripture that clearly point to the coming of Messiah. Yeah, that's, that's one good, amazing part of it. Like, we, again, like a book, we don't want to just kind of, oh, yeah, you know, Jesus, yeah, I could throw the book away. No, no. The Old Testament points towards the coming of Messiah. Whoa. And you get to go read that and plumb that mystery and see how that works. But it also says that Jesus Christ was there throughout the entire story. Page one, as God creates by his word spoken that has become made flesh, Christ was there. That's why he's the firstborn over all creation and all things are made through him and in him and for him. What about in the, oh, that's why things hang together scientifically because the word brings order over that chaos. Then in the fall, that horrific event where literally all hell breaks loose and there's sin and they fall, there's this beautiful moment in Genesis chapter 3 where it says, and God was walking towards these shameful figures of these people that had just stumbled into sin, and he's walking towards them in the cool of the day, and he calls out to them, where are you? Where are you? Christ was there. And then in the writing of the Old Testament law, how a people who are sinful are expected to live before a holy God with any hope, the giving of the law of Christ was there. And then over and over again in the story, when God's covenant people fall and rise in their faithlessness and faith and faithfulness and faith, Christ is there always. And then as the scriptures begin to point towards the coming of a Messiah, a Savior who is going to be born, Christ is there. That'd be the incarnation, fancy word for Jesus being born, Christmas. Of course, Christ was there. Now God has entered into our pain and our suffering to bring hope and healing to a world that desperately needs it. Christ was there. And then, of course, in the story of his crucifixion, his blood shed for our sin, and his resurrection, showing us the path to new eternal life, Christ is there. Christ, the hidden figure in God's story, has now been revealed. How do we unpack that? How do we imply that to our own lives? We look at our own stories. We look at our own story. Look at your life story. Where does it usually begin? Maybe the generations before you, you tell that story. Christ was there. Wherever you're from, made in the image of God, Christ is there knit together in your mother's womb. Christ is there. The rejoice of the day of your birth, those first breath, 
as a baby, Christ is there. That awe and wonder and sweet joy we have as a child, Christ is there. Those adolescent heartbreaks, those hard years of wonder and success and accolade, Christ is there. Throughout the entire story of your life, Christ is that hidden figure who's been there walking next to you. And that's probably pretty amazing revelation for those of you who maybe haven't grown in your faith or are still trying to figure it all out. Where has he been? Look at, your, look at your life story. Look at those key moments. And you will see as you pray and discern, Christ is there. That's the great mystery. Christ is the hidden figure now revealed. Second mystery. Go back to that text. He says um, that the mystery, how great, this, um, how great the mystery among the Gentiles is the riches of the glory. That's in uh, our, our reading from Colossians there. How great among the Gentiles the riches of glory. And we see the mystery number two revealed is that in Christ, those who are far away and without hope are now being brought into the promise. Gentiles, who are they? Most of us. Different shades, different colors, different races, different origin stories from around the globe. Without hope, because we're not not kids of the covenant by, by birth, like the Jews are, but it's through that call of Abraham, Abraham, the seed of Abraham, and the womb of the, the Jewish people that God has given birth to Messiah. And the good news is it is not just for them, people of the covenant. God is calling all of us from everywhere to come into his promise. That's the good news. Now, when we hear that thing of, you know, Gentiles, you might go back to, if you, again, if you, if you want to read scripture, how many pages have you ever kind of scanned over that are like talking about how the Jews have passed on the Messiah and now he belongs to the Gentiles? What does that mean? Don't just throw that part of the book away and recycle it. We're the Gentiles. We're the ones without hope. We're the ones that are disobedient. We're the ones that are covered in sin. We're the ones who are filthy in our hearts and our minds and our bodies. And yet God, by his grace in Jesus Christ, has opened the door for us to enter into his kingdom by faith. By faith. Come on, that's an amazing revelation. Those who are without hope are now included in the promises of God. It says in Ephesians 2, 13, very concisely, now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off and without hope and, and, and sinful and dirty and wicked and you eat pork, <laughs> you have been brought near by the blood of Christ. This is a profound mystery that God has opened the door by, in, in Christ for people like us, people like me and people like you to come into his kingdom. That's a profound mystery that deserves our awe and our wonder and our worship. And it's also the reason that we need the church. It's also the reason we need one another. It's also the reason we need to be grounded in a community that talks about that, that celebrates it, that mystery that we don't deserve it. We're not people of the promise, yet God loves us so much that he spilled his own blood so that we can have the hope of being in his kingdom always. This is why we need the church. 
to continue to stir our hearts in worship. Now go back to those songs we were just singing with awe and wonder and worship because those who are far off and hopeless have been brought near. That's you, that's me, that's all of us. That's why we need the church to continue to grow in awe and wonder and worship. Which leads me to mystery revealed number three. It's in your text. You can go back to it again. That Christ may dwell in you, leading you to the hope of glory. Remember that? Paul said to the saints, to the holy ones of the age, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles, that's again, you and me, people without hope, we eat pork, no hope, how great among the Gentiles, those outsiders, those sinners, how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery. Here comes the mystery. This is the moment where he's going to reveal it. How great are the riches of the glory of this mystery. Here it is which is Christ in you. Christ in you. And he parallels that with the hope of glory. Those may be the three most important words you hear today. Christ in you. What a profound mystery. Wait, you mean the God that created all things, the one that dwelled on the mountain, the one that was in the tabernacle, the one that's always been hidden behind the curtain, the one who's in the heavens, the big guy up there? Christ in you. Christ may come and dwell in your hearts by faith, encouraging you to live fully and passionately in the hope of his glory. Christ wants to come into your heart. He wants to come into your heart. Now, in, in this church, if you've been paying attention, for the last you know, year-ish, we've been intentionally using some language, almost every Sunday, about following Jesus. And I've noticed there's an uptick in people using that language around here so that, that it's working. We're, we're concentrating on that. We've been concentrating on how to help each other follow Jesus. Now, sometimes... When we hear that phrase, follow Jesus, it's natural for us to assume that what that means is maybe like he's way up there, you know, leading the charge with his Jesus confidence, right? And I'm way back here stumbling to try to stay awake and stay connected, and, and sometimes I get lost and I drift off. Oh, but I'm supposed to be following Jesus. We have that image, right? We can do that. Following Jesus means like he's way up there ascending up the mountain and I'm way behind, falling behind and I'm such a burden and he keeps calling to me and I'm like, I know, but I'm tired. That's not what following Jesus actually means. Following Jesus doesn't mean he's way up there and you're way back here. Following Jesus means opening your heart and letting him come in. He wants to lead you by the arm, by the shoulder. He wants to be one with you, encouraging you to follow him in the hope of glory now and always. And that is a profound mystery that in, by faith in Christ, God wants to come into your heart and lead you in the hope of his glory. 
Whenever I think about that, I, I go to this passage here, which means so much to me. It's the words of Christ written in Revelation 20. Where he says, listen, listen, I'm standing at the door and I'm, I'm knocking. I'm knocking and if you hear my voice and you open the door, I will come into you. I will come into you and I will eat with you and you will eat with me. So as we pull all this together, this idea of wonder and mystery and faith and Christ and gospel, this is probably the biggest question you can ever be asked. The mystery of faith is Christ in you? Is Christ in your heart? Have you opened the door to the mystery of faith and let Christ come into your heart and lead you in the hope of his glory. Which is to heaven, to be with him, to enjoy, to rejoice in his company forever. Have you opened the door of your heart and let him come in? I have a prayer that I want us to conclude with, and Stephanie's so kind to come up and lead us in some space of worship here. This prayer's in three parts. First part is for all of us to just to pray together, to open ourselves together. And then the second part is, is optional. It's optional, and I'll, I'll explain to you in a second. But let's begin this prayer of wonder by praying together in unison. We pray this morning to our most wonderful God, creator, sustainer, and father, you who gave your only son to deliver the unrighteous, the mystery of your love has been revealed in Christ Jesus. Now we wait. This next part of the prayer is optional. If you're here this morning and you have been hearing him knocking on the door of your heart, and it's time. I know it's Super Bowl Sunday, but it really could be the greatest day of your life. That you open the door of your heart and you say, come in and lead me. What I want to do is I'm going I'm to offer these words out. If you want to put your heads down, you have to do that. Or you want to look at the words and consider them. And then recite them back in your heart or in your mouth. However God leads you. We pray saying, today I surrender my life to you, Lord Jesus. I accept your forgiveness of my sin and repent from all wickedness and wandering. Come into my heart, Lord, and dwell in me. 
May your Holy Spirit lead me in all the ways you desire. Seal me in the great hope of glory, which is to rejoice in you forever. If this is a prayer that is, that is first on your heart today, we want to celebrate that as a church. We want to walk with you. But now we want to stand together and just finish this prayer together as we go into worship right now saying together, Lord, we thank you for your grace and mercy. Help us to share your love with everyone around us. Bless our worship with awe and wonder. We pray in the name of our Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen.